For more than five years, Deep State Radio has been on top of all the key foreign policy and national security stories impacting the world. We're grateful to our members who make all of this possible and hope that you will consider supporting our work by becoming a member. Members get access to our expanded offering of exclusive bonus content, the opportunity to participate in discussions via our member Slack community, our weekly member bonus briefs, and our DSR Daily Brief newsletter delivered to your inbox each evening at 5 p.m. Members also receive all of our content via private member feed that you can add to your podcast app of choice. Join now for just $5 per month or $50 per year. Visit thedsrnetwork.com and select Become a Member. And don't miss our upcoming mini-series featuring interviews with some of the key players from David's upcoming book, American Resistance, the inside story of how the deep state saved the nation. Thank you. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the podcast. I'm your host, David Rothkopf, coming to you from New York City, coming to you today from our nation's capital. We are pleased to be joined by Mary McCord. Mary is executive director of the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection, and was acting assistant attorney general for national security at the U.S. Department of Justice from 2016 to 2017. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Glad to be here, David. Glad you are joining us. And Norm Ornstein is joining us again. Norm is senior fellow emeritus at the American Enterprise Institute, and he hosts, of course, uh, or co-host the Words Matter podcasts on the DSR network. Norm, you abandoned this podcast to go do your own, but we have had you back anyway, which is a sign of our great generosity of spirit. I am so appreciative. Uh, uh, you are uh, <laughs> indeed a generous soul. What I wanted to do was to have a podcast where we talk a little bit about the fact that next week the January 6th committee resumes. And talk about some of the issues that are associated with Donald Trump, the prosecution of Donald Trump, the DOJ, and the Congress. And, and of course, since we last heard from the committee, we've had this sort of intervening major story, which has to do with Donald Trump, documents that he didn't return, classified documents that he didn't return. And most recently, in the New York Times today, a story suggesting that even having gone through this with requests, returning some documents, DOJ not believing it was all the documents, going and taking a look, discovering it wasn't all the documents, that some of them were classified documents, court cases trying to suppress what can be looked at and what can't, we now have some indication that the Department of uh, Justice still doesn't believe all the documents have been returned and that Trump is continuing to obstruct their investigation and obstruct the return of government property. 
And before we get to anything else, Mary, I suspect you've seen the story. How do you react to that? And how do you think a story like that, if it is true, will color the rest of the way DOJ behaves? Well, you know, the question always with each one of these new iterations of we don't think we have everything is for purposes of DOJ is always going to be, can they directly connect Trump to the failure to provide all of the classified documents to DOJ? So that's what we're already looking at when we're looking back to the first subpoena where, you know, documents were provided, a certification by a lawyer was provided that that a diligent search had been undertaken and everything that they were aware of were being provided. But of course, it wasn't everything. And as the execution of the search warrant revealed, there were more, significantly more classified documents. And so certainly Trump is on notice and has been on notice for nearly a year or more than a year that classified information should not be being stored at Mar-a-Lago and that it needs to be returned to the proper authorities of federal government. And to my mind, he knows that and anything he doesn't return, he has been forewarned that that could be criminal and it could be not only obstruction, but it also could just be mishandling of the documents and mishandling of presidential records. But I think what what was what still remains to be seen is how much has he been directly involved in the decisions about what to turn over and what not in the decisions about what where to look for things to be turned over. Has he kept things from those working on his behalf? to search for and turn over things to the government. And that's the part that we don't know, but that's the part that DOJ will be looking at. There have been some stories about that. There have been some stories that indicated he packed boxes himself, that he kept information to a very few people, that he was warned about returning these things even prior to leaving office. So we're approaching two years ago uh, in terms of that. Do you think that case that he has personal culpability here, is coming together. And admittedly, these are newspaper stories. We don't have the DOJ side. Based on what we know publicly, I think there's significant evidence to to support criminal charges, but not every piece has been put together. And and like you say, these are, you know, assuming the the accuracy of what's been reported, that's significant. It maybe doesn't go all the way there, but it's significant. I do think there's a difference between although not a huge difference, but there is a difference between his own lawyers in the White House telling him what his obligations are and the Department of Justice or the National Archivist telling him what his obligations are. And now we have both. <laughs> and so I, you know, I do think this is what justice will be focused on. But I want to also throw a little bit of caution out there, even if the Department of Justice determines that they have evidence sufficient to prove every element of a crime beyond a reasonable doubt, crimes related to the mishandling of classified information, potentially obstruction of an official investigation, or even just mishandling of presidential records. I mean, I think they will have to think long and hard as a matter of just policy and discretion, prosecutorial prosecutorial discretion, about whether they do seek the return of an indictment. And and I know different people have different views about this. I, I think accountability is very important here because the president has taken former president has taken no accountability whatsoever. And in fact, you know, his defenses are constantly moving and shifting and the goalposts are moving from, oh, I declassified everything to I'm not the one who packed it to, you know, what have you, right? So if he had just simply returned documents after the first request, 
and shut up about everything, I don't think we'd even be having this conversation. All of that said, you know, indicting a former president and prosecuting a former president carries some other things that the DOJ has to be thinking about. They have to be worried about what the reaction on the streets will be, particularly when Trump himself and his surrogates, people like Lindsey Graham and others, are out there talking about riots. This just feeds into the extremist online environment, similar to the way it fed into those who came on January 6th and attacked the Capitol. It's that same sort of incitement. And so DOJ has to be concerned about that. And they have to be concerned about what a corrupt future administration would potentially do in terms of prior, you know, invest bogus investigations into prior um, officials. So I'm not saying I think it's going to go one way or the other. I'm just saying there's more here than just whether there's evidence to prove a crime. Let me start with that, Norm. And Mary, in advance, I don't mean to phrase this in a way that is unfair to your point, but I just want to pick up on the point. Norm, do you think that the DOJ has to take into consideration the fact that Trump supporters may protest, or should they be blind to that fact? I think what Lindsey Graham and others have done is equivalent to what Vladimir Putin has done now, threatening the use of nuclear weapons as he's losing a war. It's blackmail. We cannot succumb to it. You know, I'm pained almost every day when I think of uh, the Supreme Court saying equal justice under the law. We don't have equal justice in a whole host of places. It's not equal justice for black defendants. It's uh, not equal justice when you let any individual off when there are clearly crimes that have been committed. And this is not just speculation. We have had people prosecuted for possessing single documents that should have been turned over to the National Archives. Whether they're classified or not, he had possession. I do think that the evidence is going to grow stronger in other ways. And Mary is right. We, you know, at least there is a partial defense here that he didn't know what was going on. Other people threw these things together. But we also know that his lawyer, Christina Bob, basically uh, told the Justice Department and the FBI that all the records had been turned over when they had not. We know that Alex Cannon, another one of his lawyers, not to be confused with the corrupt Judge Eileen Cannon, and I want to get to that in a minute, basically said, I'm not going to sign that because I have no confidence at all that everything has been turned over. Now, if I were a Trump lawyer, fearing prosecution plus the potential loss of my livelihood over misconduct. And I got to believe that the FBI and the Justice Department are going to start to interview these lawyers now, and they can't claim attorney-client privilege when it comes to things that they themselves have done that are potentially violations of the law. We may get more evidence of what Trump knew and what Trump did. On the question of documents that have not yet been turned over, we had this tantalizing set of photos a couple of weeks ago of Trump getting on a plane going to Bedminster with 15 cartons going on the plane. Now, we have no idea what was in those cartons. But if I were the FBI at this point, I would certainly be thinking seriously about going to Bedminster and looking around. There are potentially many places where other documents might have been held. He spent quite a bit of time at Bedminster. 
if there were documents moved from Mar-a-Lago to Bedminster in an attempt to keep them from the Justice Department, the idea that you would then not indict this man who is characterized over and over by lies, uh, delays, and obfuscation, the precedent that that would set for future administrations, but also for the notion that everyone is accountable to the law, would just be devastating. Now, I want to add, David, that there are other things going on this week or in the last week or 10 days before we get to the January 6th committee. We did have what is, I think, a very lame attempt by Trump's lawyers to try and slow everything down um, by going to Clarence Thomas, who happens to be the Supreme Court justice with jurisdiction over the 11th Circuit. And Thomas gave the Justice Department a week. That's one week. Even as Trump's lawyers were saying, we want to slow that down, they wanted to expedite in the other element when it comes to Judge Cannon. And Judge Cannon, who picked the special master, Judge Deary. And then when Judge Deary was getting to the bottom of many of these questions that we've talked about, pushing the lawyers to say a lot of things about whether Trump had claimed multiple times that documents had been planted, which documents had been planted. And Cannon stopped him in a move that could only be characterized as being Trump's lawyer rather than being the judge overseeing this case. And now we're getting a challenge to whether she has any jurisdiction in the first place and had any business getting involved. This case is convoluted and difficult at one level. At another level, it's pretty clear cut. And keep in mind as well that we still have a prosecution potentially moving forward in Georgia, very possibly before the end of the year. And, uh, we're, you know, we I think we're moving from the special grand jury to the regular grand jury. There too, it seems to me, under Georgia law, the evidence is is absolutely clear that Trump violated the law when he asked Brad Raffensperger, the Georgia Secretary of State, to find him exactly the number of votes he needed to prevail. And there are others involved there, including Lindsey Graham. We're not done with potential challenges for Trump not to mention January 6th itself. Um, I was going to ask a question, Mary, but there was so much in what Norm said that you might want to respond to, both having to do with the obligation to prosecute and having to do with this series of steps taken in not just Judge Cannon's court, but then in the 11th Circuit, now up to the Supreme Court, that have an important national security component to them, uh, that perhaps you would like to respond to that? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, there's two things going on with the execution of the warrant and the ongoing investigation. There's there's obviously a criminal investigation. We've been talking about that and we've been talking about, you know, what DOJ will be thinking about as it's deciding whether to bring charges, assuming it accumulates enough evidence. But we also have a very significant national security threat. And the intelligence assessment that is ongoing right now is very important. But the fact is, we'll never really know the damage. Uh, That intelligence assessment, it's not like it's going to be finished in a month or two months, because it won't be something that we, you know, will ever conclusively have answers to, you know, who might have accessed that information at Mar-a-Lago? What other classified information might Trump have shared uh, to those who are not entitled to receive it 
either from the documents in Mar-a-Lago or just at, at other times. And we, we know he was incredibly loose about sharing classified information already. We, we saw instances of that, including during, you know, broadcast interviews and things where he would disclose classified information. But we also just, you know, we, we will never really, it'll be very difficult to, to, tie, to tie, you know, anything that may happen, for example, to any of our sources or, you know, to any of our methods, tie that back to this mishandling of classified information. But right now, the intelligence community, at least with respect to the classified information that they've been able to retrieve, has really got to assume that there could be damage here. And it's got to take precautions when it comes to reaching out to its sources who may be compromised, to tweaking different methods of intelligence collection that might be compromised, and to reaching out to our foreign partners. Their information might have been compromised. And these are really tough conversations to have. You know, hey, sorry, you know, good friend uh, trying to counter, you know, terrorist efforts, foreign terrorist organizations, extremist movements, adversarial countries, counterintelligence, good friend and partner. You know, we may have actually compromised some of the information you shared with us. That's a tough conversation. It also makes it very, very hard to recruit. You know, our intelligence community relies on Americans and non-Americans to assist with its intelligence collection and oftentimes at great personal risk, particularly in foreign countries that are not, you know, don't necessarily abide by rule of the law of law the way we understand it and the way we believe in it. And, you know, they trust when they enter into an arrangement with the U.S. government that the U.S. government will do everything it can to protect them. And here we have a former president not only not doing everything that he could, but really being incredibly careless, reckless with national security information. So in many respects, I think that's almost the more important thing here, although I do believe accountability is critically important. And to go just into the various things happening among the 11th Circuit at the Supreme Court, the district court level, the special master level, I think one of the things that we should talk about a little bit is this, you know, moving the goalposts uh, that the Trump team has been doing and just changing the arguments. You'll recall when right after the search was executed, when the Trump team came in and sought the special master, it was purportedly to have a special master review all of the seized materials for privilege, for attorney-client privilege, for executive privilege. And one of the government's responses to that, I think quite understandably and quite accurately is, well, whatever whatever arguments you might have about privilege, particularly attorney-client privilege with respect to the non-classified documents, you certainly don't have that with respect to the classified documents. These are government documents. They're classified. They, by, by their very existence, can't be your own personal documents. And, and you, can't, you certainly can't have executive privilege in them if it even exists at all. And you can't have a, attorney-client privilege on them. And that is why they, you know, appealed uh, or asked for a stay of the special master's order with respect to the classified documents so that they could not only continue to use them in their criminal investigation, but also so that they would not have to turn those over to the special master. Now, of course, the Trump team is up in the Supreme Court saying, and I'm going to read it straight from their, their motion, it simply cannot be an abuse of discretion for the district court to refer these matters to a special master to determine whether documents bearing classification markings are in fact classified. That's a completely different question 
than whether there whether there's any privileged material there. They now want, and and you you may recall Judge Deary when he first got this case as special master said, "Tell me now if you're claiming that anything was declassified by President Trump when he was president, because otherwise I have to assume with classification markings on them they're classified, and you know it's not for me to go questioning that." They resisted that. They said, no, we should not have to make that assertion to you at this point of time in time. Yet now they're up in the Supreme Court saying the special master should determine whether these documents are classified or not. I mean, that is completely different than what they originally argued. And what does that mean? Does it mean the special master is supposed to have a hearing with the intelligence community, come in and assert whether a particular information is still national defense information, the disclosure of which could cause harm to national security, including grave harm to national security. So I think that, you know, when you actually dig into the arguments, the shifting arguments that the Trump team has made since the beginning of this litigation, it's pretty apparent that there's no real legitimate legal arguments to be made. So very quickly, Mary, before I go on to the next question, picking up on something else Norm said, it does strike me as odd whether you thought those photos of boxes going to Bedminster was suspicious or not, that given some of the stories that have unfolded recently about whether or not all the documents have been shared, and given the fact that actually we have two years of people saying to Trump, you have to give these back, you're in legal jeopardy if you don't, and him not doing it repeatedly, I'm a little perplexed as to why the Justice Department didn't go visit Bedminster, didn't go back to Mar-a-Lago, didn't go to the Trump Tower, didn't, I don't know where he would go, but, you know, this would be in other places. And you would think if we know some national security documents were missing, that the things he would be most likely to hide are national security documents, and that there would be greater urgency to find them, that time would be of of essence. What do you think of why we, we haven't, or that we haven't? Yeah, you know, I can't really answer that in part because we don't know what may be happening that is not public. And I don't necessarily mean that I think there's been another search because even though the DOJ had no real intention to publicize the search of Mar-a-Lago, they obviously it was not it was not done in the dark of night, it was in the light of day, but they didn't come in with their sirens blazing in the big blue jackets with the big yellow FBI letters on the back. They didn't call attention to it. It was Trump who called attention to it. I'm not suggesting we wouldn't know if there was a search elsewhere, but there could be other things going on to try to ascertain what the risk of there being other national defense information and classified information at other locations is. And so, and there could be conversations going on as well behind the scenes. There could even potentially be some accommodations being made whereby there's access there. Again, I don't know this. It's just what we see in the public space is not necessarily everything that's happening. I want to get to the January 6th thing. I also want to ask a couple of questions about one other issue. This is the moment where we take a break and we say thank you to everybody who is in the general public who's been listening. And we say also thank you to the people who are members who will get to listen to the rest of this. If you want to listen to podcasts in full, go to the dsrnetwork.com, click on membership, sign up, be a member. You get 33% more podcasts. That's, you know, good and other stuff, but that's one of the good things. So hope you'll do that. And we'll be back in one moment. 